0: Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute.
1: All leadership implies power, but does power explain what leadership is? From a Catholic perspective, leadership requires principle. Saul Alinsky would disagree. In chapter 6 of his book, The Rules for Radicals, Alinsky lays out a very powerful description of leadership without principle. What does the Christian have to say in response? Well, we're getting into the heart, really, of Alinsky's thesis here. Uh, We're looking at Rules for Radicals, this book written by this thinker who really made an impact in many ways in America and in American politics. Uh, his, His career spanned most of the 20th century and he was involved especially in those very contentious and conflictual issues that forged a lot of the culture that we have today in terms of politics and media. And this is why really originally I was attracted by him. I Remember hearing many commentators from the political right pointing to Solovinsky's teaching as the reason why those on the political left were successful. And I thought to myself, who is this fellow? And looking back, he has a history of going towards causes that the political left today seems to espouse and showing how those causes could actually be successful in gaining power. He worked with minority groups, with workers' trade unions, with the homeless, with the hungry, with those needing health care. He would consult with church leaders. He would consult with government leaders. He would consult with pretty much anyone in order to teach them how to help those who he calls were the have-nots to become those who were the haves. In other words, he wanted to bring power to those who felt powerless. And he champions this in the name of democracy and kind of what his vision for the true America was, always keeping in mind these what he calls the high principles, that normally a free and open society that respects the rights and the dignity of the individual. These are the things that you cannot you know, go against even if you have to take any form of means in order to get there. So his thoughts were very successful and very powerful. And those on the right oftentimes bemoan the fact that they're that successful and powerful. But my question is, how does this thought stack up with relationship to the teachings of our Lord and the tradition of our church around leadership? His thought is undeniably successful. You could even say that it shaped the way that politics is done today. Obviously, thats it's not the only thing that shaped it. But when you look at what he says, you can't help but saying, this is this is actually a, the descriptor of how we approach things today. We're going to take a look at today's chapter in chapter six. And then the next chapter, the big chapter, which is on chapter seven, where he really lays out for us a description of How we see politics working today. A media completely at the service of messaging instead of truth, talking points instead of answering questions, a power base that then is wielded by creating an adversary that is sometimes a straw man, but doesn't really matter as long as it consolidates a base, who's then motivated to action by taking really oftentimes means that are contrary to the very principles that they're espousing. And Olinsky is 100% behind this. So exactly how much his thinking is the pervasive thought structure, for me it's a secondary question, and it's a historical question and an important one. But what I want you to see is that here is a fellow who speaks modern practical language and who speaks it in a way that's effective. And then it allows us a case study to be able to analyze then, well, how is it that our Lord and Christianity would stack up? We who follow Jesus Christ and his teachings, can we actually say that his teachings are going to make us as effective leaders, a leader as the teachings of someone who is purely secular, even sometimes atheistic? Does my faith, in other words, diminish my power to influence the world around me? Or does my faith actually help me to be a better and more influential person in the world around me? For Saul Alinsky, it's very clear that you cannot begin with principle and hope to be effective. The principles that he espouses, he puts them in the realms of the ideal that he'll never achieve. This idea of a free and open society where every member of society is listened to and respected in their individuality and where everyone has the power to act in the way that they want. He'll actually say that that's actually something you'll never achieve, but something towards which you have to constantly strive. And then he says the way that you strive towards that can indeed involve and most of the time must involve contradicting that same principle. If you have to lie or intimidate or scare your opponent into submission or besmear their reputation, then that's what you have to do. For Alinsky, the end justifies the means. The means that you have to take are the ones that are effective. And he'll go so far as to say, you cannot deal with the world as you think it, be, it needs to be. You must deal with the world as it is. And there he follows right in the footsteps of Machiavelli who says the same thing. Therefore, anything that's necessary to maintain power, you have to do because that's the role of a leader. And he he puts the whole argument in the framework of the struggle for power. He defines the struggle of power in very noble terms, you know, as the ability of a people to act. He uses examples all the time of people that you'd like to see be able to act. The homeless, those who are living in tenements, those who are living in the slums, he began his work, for example, with a housing project that was located on the same location where Upton Sinclair wrote his book, The Jungle. And he, so he was very much puts himself as following that same line of social awareness and social activism represented by Upton Sinclair. And that's where he began his career. And he continued to go from organization to organization, empowering them to be the influential Uh, decision makers, and to bear their influence effectively in the world. But the thing that's amazing to me amongst many things in his thinking is that he uses this same thinking with the support of the church and the church leaders of his time would consult with him from priests to rabbis in order to get him to help bring justice effectively to the underprivileged in their world as their own people. In the book, though, he represents and he, he'll, he'll speak about how he'll use the church's blessings to bring about the changes, which obviously everyone wants to see. But that in the same breath, he'll deny the church's ability to define morality according to its own terms. So you have like this type of contradiction where Alinsky grasps that there is a deep morality, but he denies any type of objective measure of that morality itself. There you have a weak point in his thinking because he's looking for justice, looking for rights, looking for integrity, but then he makes sarcastic comments against the very religions who are holding up those rights for which he himself labors. And that type of sarcasm underlines where I see really as the hallmark of his thinking. He holds principle at the, as the end goal but he denies principle as a shaping influence. And therefore he launches a whole school of leadership, which is without principle in the tactics employed. And at least without a Christian principle or without anything from the, the, that would be akin to natural law. For Alinsky's thought, power is a flux It's a constant rotation that demands a loose ethics in order to obtain for the sake of a firm goal, namely the principle of justice and equality and the empowerment of people to be their best. Well, that's the goal. And he says, that's firm. Ah, yes, but then you can employ all kinds of means, actually whatever means are necessary in the circumstances in order to achieve that goal. Even if those means contradict the principles that you're fighting for. And here I think is a, is a weak point in his, in his logic and one that is short-sighted in the end. And I think it's here that Christ enters to give us a key. It's here that the world is waiting for the input from a genuine Christian leader. How can we be effective in our influence if indeed our, our leadership comes not from the power struggles of the world, but from Christ? And his principles.
0: Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleaiministries.org. That's E A G L E E Y E ministries.org and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So
1: let's dive together into chapter 6 which is really I think at the heart of the book. It's called in the beginning And he talks here about the process of seizing power. And he says things that are very much akin to the Catholic Church's teaching on missionary endeavors. For the church, a missionary endeavor has four stages. The first stage is to belong to the community that you're going to evangelize. No one will listen to a speaker speak words to them if they don't think that the speaker is part of their own journey. If the speaker doesn't emphasize empathy and understanding and gain the acceptance by the community to the degree that the community feels like the one addressing the missionary in their midst is actually a member of that community, well, the more effective that missionary will be. And Alinsky says the same thing, interestingly, about the people he calls organizers. The difference is that The missionary begins with a principle and never forsakes that principle. Whereas the organizer is ready to be a chameleon and begins with whatever principles are espoused by that community, adopts them himself, demonstrates that he's someone that they must have faith and courage in and show that actually he's the one that's going to bring those principles to be effectively in power in the world that they inhabit this is a a a big difference for alinsky it doesn't matter so much what what the organizer believes in what matters is can they convince the community that they're called to organize that they are worthy of the that community's trust in terms of bringing their cause to victory so right away the influence of the organizer is the quest for power instead of the achievement of a defined set or principle. Now, the two aren't necessarily opposed. Christ calls us to bring principle to bear and to bring it bear effectively. I mean, we're supposed to help our children to become good people. We're supposed to help our companies to be run in an ethical fashion. We're supposed to bear the light into a a society that otherwise would be darkened. right. So, and if we don't strive for that excellence, well, our leadership is really insignificant. I understand that. The difference though, is that we take our end goal of ethics of the Christian message of the gospel. And we insist that that be the fulcrum upon which we lever our own influence. We will not, in other words, lead outside of that, the power of that principle. Whereas for Alinsky, the power, the principle is the power. It doesn't matter what you're fighting for. Here's how you win. You win by convincing the people that you're someone who can win. And so the really, the, 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 the in order to do that, he said, the fact is most disenfranchised people will be people that don't trust someone that's coming in from the outside. And so you have to demonstrate to them, not that you care about them, not that you love the people But that in fact, the the enemy that these people have, which is keeping them down, that same enemy is your enemy. So if you can become blacklisted as dangerous by the established power holder, you can become a friend to any group which is seeking to obtain that power from the power holder. And so he talks about this in many different ways, especially in terms of agitating, as he calls it, you know, becoming someone who actually causes problems for this, it's almost like the common enemy is what causes the unity. And this is not the way that a missionary is supposed to do it, right? And neither is it the way that a Christian leader is supposed to do it. In the thought of the Christian tradition, the unity that the leader makes with his people is a a unity of membership in what's most noble in them, not in what's most base in them. And then on the basis of that unity of membership, their life and their example cause a question. The the missionary or the leader is looking for a way to insert their values into the fabric of that people. But it's it's very different from saying, I'm going to create a common enemy. We're going to share an enemy in order to become united. I'll show you that actually your enemy and my enemy is the same and then we'll be brethren. Alinsky, I'm sure, would scoff at this and say it's completely ineffective. The world as it is requires us to deal with, as he puts in chapter six here, the fundamental truth that people will only listen to power. And so the very first thing he says that an organizer does once you're in a community is you demonstrate by your own means that you have more power to effectuate a change that everyone desires than anyone else in the community does. And by so doing, you build up the base of power that allows everyone in that community that you're trying to help to follow you. So in other words, if everyone's looking for a solution and you find that you have a solution, that's the best solution. You've now become a practical leader instead of an idealistic one. You can understand the, the, the attractiveness of this thought, right? We all see this as being, being amazing. The difference is that for Alinsky, that claim for power is independent of principle. And in fact, sometimes can even contradict the principles because the end justifies the means. Whereas for a Christian, we take that same desire for effectiveness and we wed it to principle. And we say, actually, nothing will be more effective at effectuating true change than clinging to that principle and espousing it. If that requires a political following, all the better, because usually it does, but not at the expense of that principle. Otherwise, this was, the result will be inevitably that the world that you create is as, is as rife for a change and a swing in the opposite direction As the world that you found power becomes the king for alinsky and by so doing power threatens the very system that it seeks to establish this is the weak point in his thinking and a spot where we christians have a prophetic voice it's not that we don't want power it's not that we don't want influence on the contrary not only do do we want it but we're required to wield it by christ who sent us into this world in order to claim it for him. I don't think we're virulent enough in our leadership. I don't think that we're, we're dedicated enough. That's why someone like Alinsky can come in and find all kinds of churches just waiting for his thinking because the church needs desperately to claim this role to lead the world in the name of Christ, right? To help the poor. To, not, to, to be with the disenfranchised, to help everyone who is in prison and the blind and the lame and so forth. This is what our mission is. And so that effectiveness of Alinsky is seductive. And it's precisely here that we can build a bridge. What if in fact we were to say that there's a better way than simply amassing political power by agitation and creating an enemy that's in common with the people we're trying to help? I guess I don't buy his way of totally refusing the world as it should be as an effective fulcrum for action i think that in fact i think that describing the world as it should be spawns and touches a power in the hearts of people that is more permanent and more effective than political agitation i think that the unity that comes from the desire of the good is actually desire, more desirable and attractive and more powerful in the long term than the than the unity that comes from folks who are in common upset with an oppressive situation now olinsky differs with me there and he calls me naive well i think that on the contrary history bears it out that this is not the case the great people who have shaped the course of history are not those who stood in voices against the establishment only. They're those who posited a pathway forward that could give hope and instill action in the hearts of those who would follow. And that's the place
0: of a truly authentic Christian leader. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at SaintJohnInstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So in chapter six of Rules for Radicals, uh, Alinsky
1: begins by saying that the the, the organizer needs to enter into the community by getting them to, to see that he's on their side in their common fight against a shared enemy. And to do that, he has to become an enemy of that person himself or that institution himself, and sometimes even agitating in ways that are violence. The, the, the organizer's job, he says, is to inseminate an invitation for himself, to agitate, introduce ideas, get people pregnant with hope and a desire for change, and to identify you as the person most qualified for this purpose. He goes on to say, an organizer knows that life is a sea of shifting desires, changing elements of relativity and uncertainty, and yet he must stay within the experience of the people he is working with and act in terms of specific resolutions and answers of definitiveness and certainty. And so he, he, he's really a master for us at demonstrating the ability that we all have to have in our leadership to connect with and to persuade the people who will follow us. The, the way that he does it though can sometimes be uh, chameleon and I don't think is impervious to the, the, the criticism of paternalism. In other words, you have to adopt an attitude according to Alinsky even of knowing what is the best for the people because they don't necessarily know themselves. You wonder if, if that's really true I think from his experience, he gives plenty of examples where it might be true in practice, but look at the type of leadership that then he calls upon the organizer to exert. It's a leadership where he himself is in a position of power over the people he's trying to empower, right? So the idea is that you have folks that are hurting, folks whose rights are being infringed upon, whole classes of people who cannot rise. And so the first step of the organizer is to become the savior figure for that people. Well, how do you do that? Well, you do that by getting them to yield power to you so that then you can work on their behalf and seize power for them and then give it back to them again. it's it's, It's a wonderful method and it's one that seems to work, right? It seems to be very effective at that level but does, am I the only one here that kind of sees a contradiction in this? Like, in other words, you're, you're supposed to be working for the respect of the people and to give them their dignity, but you do that by lying to them if that's what's necessary or by pulling the wool over their eyes if that's what's necessary in order to get them to trust you. I, I just, I think that there's another way, everybody. When I see our Lord operating, I don't see him to do that. I see our Lord, in fact, commanding us to follow God no matter what. The power of the Christian leader is the principles with which they lead, not just the the principles that they tend towards as a goal. We employ principle as the, the key to our successful leadership. I think what's missing is simply that a lot of times we lack the realistic savvy of understanding how that principle needs to be wedded to power and political power and, and kept there in order to be effective, not by churchmen or by priests or by popes, but by lay people who refuse to let society go into darkness by refusing to exercise the legitimate power that their principle deserves. When I see the apostles, I see them doing the exact same things, just with a different, a different understanding, in other words, for Alinsky, he says, number, first step that you do once you belong into to a community is that you build up a power base. Every, every organization he says is the same thing as the power that it exerts. So if you have power, you need an organization in order to maintain it. And if you have an organization, it's because you, you want to have a power that you're putting forth into the world. He identifies organizations and power. Again, like, I think that that's a legitimate thing to do. It's just that for the sake of what, in the end, what are you fighting for? And the high goal that he gives is his, his definition of the dignity of the individual, which he puts everywhere. And then he says, you might even have to cause conflict. Conflict is a good thing. Conflict stirs people to action. And sometimes he even makes a startling claim, where he says, all change means disorganization of the old and reorganization into the new. My friends, this is not, I think, the be-all and end-all of leadership. I think Alinsky hits upon a lot of things that are true. It's just that they're short-sighted. Instead, what about a vision of leadership that begins with stirring the noble ideals of people into action? Fanning into flames their aspiration for what is legitimately good and beautiful, for bringing people into a state of thirst that can only be satisfied and satiated by a life that is well lived. Here, a principled leader is needed. One who clings to the cross of Christ, speaks the words of God, embodies them in their actions so persuasively That all those who see them see the Lord and follow that leader into the life that God wants them to live. These are the leaders that we really need today.
0: These are the leaders you're called to be. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.